Marcus Marcus controls the power and wealth of a vast military and religious empire. Yet one horrific crime threatens to destroy everything in his world. Addled by drugs and grief, Marcus Marcus begins a trans-dimensional journey that will ultimately force him to confront a dark and devastating truth. Chapter 32 The Heretic's Globe The young woman looked around the medical bay, assessing everyone there. When her gaze fell on me, she gave a curt nod and asked, Permission to speak, Your Excellency. It was a voice that allowed no room for refusal. I nodded, so dazzled by her presence that the power of speech was momentarily lost to me. My name is Talav, she said. I am the commanding officer of this sagent vessel, the Wolfcraft Wee Scunner. She paused for a moment, standing in the open doorway. Behind her I could make out a number of other figures. You are presently in my ship's medical bay, she continued. It is not the most salubrious of locations and the robots are not renowned for their bedside manner. Her dark eyes narrowed. This is a fighting vessel, but the treatment you have received and will continue to receive is better than anything you could buy on Enfeshka. One of the visible earthers raised an arm, like a child in a schoolroom. A smile flashed, brief and tight, across Talav's lips. Yes, she said. Are we the only ones? asked the heretic. Are we the only ones to survive? Talav's face grew darker. Her lips turned downwards as she stared at Kokani. Her face remained beautiful, but it was a terrible beauty, like the face masks primitives carve or portraits lunatics paint when trying to represent the majesty and power of the gods. Very few survived, and none of your celebrants. They stayed on the ship praying whilst we evacuated who we could. Most of the congregants rescued were seriously injured. Only a handful survived with minor or no wounds, and they are currently in the Sajin vessel, the Wolfcraft Bonnie Fechter. Kokani, who was either completely oblivious or indifferent to the hateful glare Talav was directing full blast at him, spoke up in his weak, soft voice. Are there any children over in the other vessel? There are, replied Talav. Three or four. The Bonnie Fechter conference suite has been turned into a crash for them. Yosef, cried the woman on the bed. Talav's face softened once more as she looked away from Kokani. Is he a green-eyed boy? She asked the woman. Six years of age. 
incapable of following orders. Yosef, the woman whispered, nodding her head. Then she looked down at the bundle in her arms. I expect her to react with dread or revulsion, scream maybe at the horror of embracing an unknown corpse. Instead, the woman's face took on this confused, cookie, embarrassed, harassed look, not unlike the star brats you see in spaceports, half spaced out on the whole budget holiday, budget drug adventure thing. You suddenly realise the big bag on the chair beside them is absolutely not the one they packed with money, ID, cheap tickets and directions home. The woman looked around at her companions, lifted the bundle and gently kissed the dark cloth that covered it. Space, she said, look tenderly on this child's journey. Talav gestured to the figures behind her. A blue uniformed, silver-haired crewman went over to the woman, took the child. Other crew members began lifting the bodies laid beside the door. Talav waited until the bodies had been removed, then spoke again. A makeshift morgue has been set up in the hold of the Bonnie Fechter. Just now, an attempt is being made to recover as many remains as possible, but the safety of the living is my first concern. It is very likely that a considerable number of the deceased will not be brought back to you. Talov's voice became a little less assured as she spoke those terrible words. The heretics standing before her seemed to shrink into their skins. Even I, the most confident of men, felt a cold tremor go through me. When a body dies, the rituals of the living enable the soul inside to effortlessly escape the weight of dead and decaying matter. An absence of funeral rites can leave a soul trapped, trapped and panicked, rattling at the prison bars of bones, tugging the chains of rotten flesh. Even if such a soul finally breaks free, it may be so damaged by its experience that it never makes it. To the divine earth, instead doomed to wandering the cosmos filled with spite and malice. Transport is available for anyone wanting to go over to the Bonnie Fechter, continued Talav in a louder voice, provided the medical robots deem you fit for travel. You may, of course, stay here to give comfort and prayers for the more severely injured. Officer Sternbridge will do all he can to assist you. At this, Talav nodded at the grey-haired crewman. Kolkani spoke again. Is it possible to use a console 
on the Wolvecraft Bonnie Fechter. I have promised our friends that they can access my research into religious rituals. Of course, replied Talav, with a smile as keen as a knife's edge. I am always happy to assist an augur. But I insist you return to Wolfcraft Wee Scunner as quickly as possible. Admiral Jack is on her way from Algalma. She's bringing the augur Bramlant with her. The Admiral would like to consult with His Excellency about Bramlant's crime. She requests that you also be present. Kokani opened his mouth, but Talav had turned her attention back to me. Would your excellency care to see my ship? She said. I would, I replied. The commanding officer of the wolf craft we scunner turned and stepped through the doorway. I followed her, glad to get away from the ogre Kokani and his new heretic buddies. Delighted to watch the sway of her hips as Talav strode down the corridor before me. In my hurry and distraction, I stumbled and fell heavily to the floor. Strong hands gripped my shoulders. Warmth and scent surrounded me. I apologise, Your Excellency, said Talav, her face almost touching mine as she helped me stand up again. After all you have been through, the last thing you need is a tour of my ship. My sleeping quarters are just here, she said, and used one of her feet to push open a door. Rest now. Half walking, half falling, I made it into a narrow room. I tumbled onto a thin bed. One of Talav's arms was caught beneath my body. With a grunt, she rolled me onto my side, extracted her arm and stood up. You need some proper respite, Your Excellency, she said. Her face flushed, her eyes bright. I tried to say something witty, but instead my eyes closed and I fell into sleep, carrying the image of her beauty down into my slumbers. At one point I dreamt I was walking down a corridor with Talav. She was looking at me, a puzzled expression on her face. As she turned away, her hair thickened and her body elongated. Then her shape was hidden by a great dark cloak. At the end of the dream corridor was a door. The figure reached out and opened it. And I looked on to a great blue and silver ball hanging in black space. The ball turned. With horror, I recognised it as the heretic's globe. With all the land and seas that the blasphemers imagine exist on their fantasy earth. That long, upside-down, triangular-shaped landmass, that is what they call Africa. And there, the vast expanse of water, the heretics call that, 
the Indian Ocean. As my fear and sorrow grew, a hand gripped mine. But whether it belonged to Numa, Talav or Ifdek seemed of little import. And a voice whispered, Here is your home. Here is the true earth. Then as sound and image began to fade, so too to the sense of disquiet and dislocation, I drifted down into perfect carefree oblivion. Thanks for listening to the latest chapter of Marcus Marcus and Hurting Heart. Be sure to tell all your friends, family and ancient enemies about the story. If you like it, rate it, review it, pass on the word. Subscribe on your favourite podcast app so you never miss a chapter. If you want to know more about what I do, check out my website. Rob Fulton Stories dot Weebly dot com